0: Fellow citizens, friends, supporters. Like so many of you, I have gone blind. Stay calm. Stay where you water and tell me what happened. I, I'm blind. I'm blind. It's like something's flooding my eyes. It's infectious. No, 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 no. I'm telling no, you, it's infectious. No, sorry, he gave it to me. Right, it's it's contagious. Right. Okay, I'm do not you gonna get sick. sick. I'm, I'm gonna sick somebody
1: Shit!
0: Are permitted within these doors. Once inside, follow the corridor till you find
2: the wards. Alright, let's go. A four-year-old boy in Oregon can now see the world around him in a new way after a gene
0: therapy treatment that is new, KPTV. Because, as you may know, every second somebody goes blind. Every minute, a child goes blind. Today I wanted to talk about. If there is a cure for my eye disease, which is retinitis pigmentosa... This trial will involve 10 patients who will be monitored for a year to assess the safety of the stem cell treatment and whether their vision improves. So a Minnesota man who got a bionic eye implant was able to see his wife for the first time in 10 years.
2: By doing a single gene therapy injection, some basic level of image-forming vision can be restored.
0: You're afraid to close your eyes. I'll
1: go blind in my sleep. Hello and welcome to Science I'm Rick Edwards, joined as ever by Dr. Michael Brooks. Hello. Uh, This week, it's your turn, Brooksy. What have you got your big, oafish paws on? (laughs) You've got quite sort of, you know what I mean? You've got stubby, they're not big, they're just sort of stubby, like kind of. I can imagine you being very clumsy. I'm not clumsy at all. Smashing things around (laughs) with big lumps (laughs) on the end of your arms. Just like, like pianist sounds. Anyway,
3: anyway, so we are going to be doing uh, a book and a film. Book and a book film. Book and a film in that it is a book and it has been turned into a film. <laughs> How else would we possibly mean that?
1: <laughs> it's
3: blindness. Have you seen the film?
1: Uh, okay, so I haven't seen the film. Have you read the book? I have very much read the book. He's that very much read the one book, of, ladies
3: and gentlemen. One of
1: my favourite books. Really? Yeah. The book is, so by Jose Saramago, absolutely superb. Do
3: you know he didn't want it to be made into a film?
1: Yeah, I can kind of see why. I tried to buy the rights. You did I did, I did, I did. Oh, what? Genuinely, yeah. Right, and
3: did you uh, go and talk to him about it? No, but we, we just said no.
1: No, we, we tried to buy the rights and we were told that they, they'd literally been snapped up two months before, which is quite annoying because the book had been out for a while.
3: For those of you who haven't read the book or seen get the get on it, please. Get on it, obviously. I mean, the, the basic premise is that there's an outbreak of blindness. So people just suddenly start seeing bright white and nothing mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing that annoys me is it's never explained why. It doesn't matter why. It does, it matters. It, it doesn't, it's an allegory. But the thing is, you know, I mean, so you've got this, and basically it's a story about an ophthalmologist, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's, uh, Mark Ruffalo is an optician, and uh, the person who goes blind sort of comes to him, and he's looking into their eye and can't see anything wrong with it at all. There's no reason for this whiteness. So presumably there's something on the retina, it's kind of overloaded or whatever with signal, you know, by some virus or something. You could You could just throw me a little bone and give me some kind of, scientific explanation for why this might have happened
1: i just don't think there's i really don't think there's any need what's our big question going to be so
3: we're going to be asking will we ever be able to cure all forms of blindness oh
1: it's a big question that is a big question yeah i like it yeah given that i've just said it's irrelevant to the plot of the film (laughs) (laughs) yeah but but it's still a good question maybe that was what i was looking for some kind of tenuous (laughs) link between that and the film that we're doing um, have we, as always, tracked down an absolute legend to help us answer? Yes, we
3: have. So we've been talking to Samantha De Silva, who's a clinical research associate at the Nuffield Lab, uh, the Nuffield Laboratory of Ophthalmology, I should say, at the University of Oxford. So she's part of a team that's been looking into some cutting-edge gene therapy techniques, which we'll get onto. to. Uh, I hope so. So to start with, we asked her to introduce the basics of how the human eye works and basically how I get to look at you and process that image in my head, even though I never actually want to.
1: I'm upside down, aren't I?
3: Yeah, you're upside down in my head. Isn't that weird?
2: So the best way to think about the human eye really is a bit like a camera, or now an old-fashioned camera with a lens and a film. So the front of the eye, the cornea, lets the light through and partially focuses it. The light then passes through the pupil, that's the gap between the iris, the coloured part of the eye, is further focused by the lens, which sits behind it and hits the retina. I'm
0: going to put this up and block your eye.
2: Okay, And you should still be
0: able to see through these little holes.
2: Do you see any light? And the retina is really the complex machinery which processes the light signal. So it's made up of a huge number of cells, but primarily the rods and cones are the two types of cells which detect light and turn those light signals into electrical signals that are then further processed within the retina. So these signals are turned from light energy into electrical energy, pass into um, the ganglion cells, and then into the optic nerve, which then goes up to the brain.
0: Nothing, nothing in your lenses, nothing in the retina somebody just turned out the lights no no, no. it's more like uh, all the lights were turned on your eyes are perfect
2: you see i told you
0: except i cannot see anything
2: once the signals from the optic nerve reach the brain they then pass through various different centers within the brain to reach what we call the visual cortex which is the key processing part and that lies at the back of the brain in the occipital lobe, so if you touch the back of your head that's really overlying that part of the brain. And within the visual cortex you have what we call a retinotopic map, so a map of the image that we see essentially. But the cells within the brain are very complex again and can pick out certain elements, so can pick out motion, can pick out spatial location, can determine orientation. And so it's really all the processing that happens within the brain that allows us to see and we know that from particular patients who've had strokes and so on, where their eyes are working perfectly fine, but they still can't see because their brains can't do the appropriate processing.
1: Say something if you need it, and uh, we'll have you home in no
0: time, okay? Any questions? Um, why aren't we moving? Uh, oh, um, it's a red light.
1: So, I've got eyes, famously. <laughs> um, two of them. Yeah, I mean, not uh, not great. Quite small eyes. Well, I've just, just got quite small eyes. Quite big features, but quite small I've eyes. I've never thought that, to be honest. Gaze into my eyes. Yeah, I am doing that right now. Gaze into my tiny eyes. I'm you've got really small uncomfortable. eyes as well. Yeah. Just got um, a big
3: head. That's, I mean, it's not small eyes, it's a big head. I think eyes standard, are probably like standard, standard eyes issues.
1: and then yeah. big old. I mean, you've got a big old head as well.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's our problem, isn't it? That is. Too much around
1: them. <laughs> the surrounding area <laughs> is dwarfing the eyes. <laughs> um, when uh, when did eyes evolve? Mm. Actually, I mean, I don't know why I'm asking you. I know loads about this. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, here we go. I'm gonna, here so we I'm go. gonna let you talk oh, and then no. I'm gonna interrupt here loads. We go. yeah. Well, as you know, Rick. Yes. Uh, we I mean it depends what you mean by eyes. So you can go all the way from just like a photoreceptor cell that
1: Yeah, t- take take me from yeah. So, so what we know
3: cells. is that we had this thing 543 uh, million years ago. We had the Cambrian explosion. Quite exact. Yeah. 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 I think. I, I, yeah. Well, that's what I read. Anyway, that it was that it was sort of that exact. Now yeah. that's how they're thinking. Cambrian explosion, which yeah. is basically this massive sort of liftoff of evolution, where everything seems to happen mm-hmm. hugely fast. So that's where we've got the sort of fossil records, and we've got. Things from there that seem to have complex eyes. So, so at that point, we know there's something sort of interesting going on with sight. But before that, of course, where we don't have you know fossil records, things would have had photoreceptor cells or whatever. So they would have been processing light to a certain degree. But at that yeah, point, you know, but... we've definitely got sort of you know complex eyes going on, and uh, and of course, you know the. the they're sort of horses for courses, aren't they? So you know, you only need what you need. And evolution gives you something if it's useful. It stick around, and as it sticks around, it evolves into something else. So You start with a kind of you know, basic sort of photoreceptor, and yeah, then you so get to the point where you creepy you've got little, lenses.
1: Creepy little worms. Yeah, like six hundred million years ago, or whatever, five hundred fifty yeah. million years ago, they've got photoreceptors so they can respond to light. Yeah, but they're not they're not processing. Yeah. It in in a way that the eye does no exactly
3: so they might sort of turn on or off the metabolism or they might instruments move towards something rather than moving away from it you know depending on whether they like the light or not so so yeah it's a very very simple kind of information system that it just evolves into like clusters of of different you know photoreceptors come together or whatever and then you start to develop something that we would recognize as an eye and, and and you know we're sort of stuck with our idea of of the eye being like what we've got or what we're familiar with, but you know you've got all kinds of different eyes. Uh,
1: although convergent evolution means there's an awful lot of eyes that have evolved independently and are very very similar to ours.
3: Yeah, and we've actually even seen it. So you can do computer simulations of these sort of evolutionary steps. There's a guy called Dan Eric Nilsson at Lund University, mm-hmm. and he's got this sort of simulation where you start with just a, a flat patch of light sensitive cells. Yeah. And then you allow some sort of slight mutation or whatever. And then what happens is next generation that patch has got a bit thicker and then it gets thicker and then it starts to curve up at the edges effectively Ooh. turning into a dish. I and like. and then basically you just like improve it very very slightly. And uh, allowing one sort of new generation per year, and he says he can go from uh, a simple sheet of, of light-sensitive cells to a fully functioning camera-like eye in so three hundred and sixty-four thousand a... years. So really, no, no time That's at all. quick. Yeah, you see this time and again in simulations of of biology that actually the complexity arises from simple things, really remarkably easily.
1: Is it right that our eyes have a sort of evolutionary? flaw because the the light sensitive cells in them um is behind a load of nerve fibers which block the light yeah
3: yeah i, I hesitate to use the word flaw here because it's okay. just what happened it's not designed is it no so it's just like our particular form of eye evolved to have this structure where we had all the neurons in front of the photoreceptors mm. sort of blocking the whole thing sort of, mm. i mean which you call a bit of a pig's ear of yeah. The whole thing, But it works. You know, we have pretty good vision, yeah. actually. And and then it has to go, all the, the nerve bundles have to go through uh, the retina into the optic nerve. So there's actually a blind spot that's created because of that. So, yeah, so it's not. It's, it's optimal. an engineering catastrophe. <laughs> it sort of is, except that it works really well. Yeah. And if it hadn't worked really well, then we wouldn't have, you know, be here with these kinds of eyes. True. But also, uh, there's a kind of fairly recent discovery that the glial cells, which support all the neurons, mm-hmm. uh, they've actually evolved to take on shapes that. Effectively, it makes them work like optical fiber, so they actually channel some of the light of different colors, really, and, and the right amount of light of various colors that then enable you to process uh, with more visual acuity. So, so although it's not an optimal design from that point of view, actually the support structures for those neurons are part of the you know the way the eye works, and and they actually make it better. So it's kind of optimized what you wouldn't think was a very optimal design.
0: Um. There's a movement to it, like uh, light particles, like uh, light shining through a sea of white. It feels like I'm swimming in milk. Really? Well, one good thing is I never heard blindness described as white. It's black, right? It's the absence of light. So that's a good thing. I guess. Yeah, sure it is. It means it's not real blindness. Anyway, it's too fast. Blindness is slow, right? What you have is some kind of psychosomatic
3: some
1: kind of nervous thing. Second, here is this where we're going? No, we haven't really talked about blindness yet, and we probably should do. <laughs> what are the most common causes?
3: Right. So what we have, um, I mean, we've got what are called refractive errors. So basically, you know, like you and I need glasses. Yeah. You get these flaws that stop the eye from focusing properly. So short sightedness, long sightedness, mm-hmm. whatever. That's that sort of you know doesn't make you blind but it can obviously if it's extreme be a problem uh cataracts which is kind of most like the movie in some ways you know in that cataracts give you this sort of milky white opaque film over the lens or inside the lens Uh so it's basically the proteins in the lens are all clumping together Mm -hmm. blocking the light Mm -hmm. so you're just seeing more and more white sort of whited out vision yeah uh glaucoma where fluid builds up in the eye and that basically then just causes damage to the optic nerve so you just Gradually lose the ability to transmit information.
1: Call back to um, uh, episode on um, Fight Club uh, when they were trying to come up with um, anaesthetics and, and painkillers is that when uh, Freud and his uh, his coke fiend friends yeah. um, were getting busy with the coke, they first realized that coke would be a useful pain suppressor. And they're like rubbing it onto the eyeballs oh. of uh, dogs and frogs and then whacking needles in. Oh, Really? <laughs> and and the, and the dogs and the frogs are fine with it. Uh, and they probably weren't. They probably fine weren't with it. fine with it. I would no. imagine. But I think they probably established previously that they weren't fine with it without the coke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, science! Uh, yeah. Carry on. Yeah, uh, science. So it's, yeah. it's, its all about progress. It's yeah, all about progress.
3: Yeah. Uh, then there's macular degeneration. So uh, there's age-related uh, disease. Judy Dench has this actually, where your photoreceptors stop working. Oh. Uh, so you might have something like if you have a blood vessel leak in the eye yeah. uh, it can destroy something called the retinal pigment epithelial cells so at the back of the eye and in six weeks actually that can destroy your whole sort of field of vision oh. uh, it just kills the photoreceptors you also just get this gradual degradation mm-hmm. anyway that happens to some people uh, so that's pretty bad
1: what's the sort of um, global scale of, of vision loss as a, as a problem?
3: 39 million people are totally blind around the world, about 285 million people with some vision loss. Uh And the worst thing about this whole situation is that actually about 80% of those eye conditions are treatable. These diseases are preventable, but most of them are happening in low-income countries. So so this is just about funding. just about distributing
1: and funding. Mm. Yeah. And which of these diseases is Samantha currently working on?
3: Well, so her team's working on a thing called retinitis pigmentosa. So that's about one in 3,000 people have this. It's the most common form of blindness for young people.
2: Retinitis pigmentosa is really an umbrella term for a number of different conditions. And in these conditions, there's generally a faulty gene, which means that the rods at the back of the eye don't work properly, and they gradually degenerate over time, so become less able to detect light and process visual signals. In terms of symptoms, what people notice is initially a loss of night vision because the rods are primarily responsible for vision at night and as that worsens a loss of visual field so bumping into things especially in the dark and eventually it can encroach on the cone system so the system that we use for fine vision and daytime vision and that's really when patients become most symptomatic with difficulty reading difficulty seeing and that can then progress to blindness don't no, no
0: step down, ma'am. I'm asking you no, no, to step uh, down. No, I'm going go. to go. My take the man, no, OK? Well, this vehicle
2: is fully OK? Well, then you'll have to take me, because I've, I've I've, just gone blind. I've just gone blind. Fine,
0: oh. right, have it your way.
2: So, essentially, there are more than 200 genes that we know of that cause retinitis pigmentosa, and a huge amount of work is being done on various treatments for this condition. One of which is gene replacement therapy. So if we know the faulty gene, we can try and replace it early in disease. And so what our group was looking at was a way of trying to restore light sensitivity or visual responses in the end stages of disease. So once patients have already lost virtually all their vision to see if we can make the retinas work again. So what we used was a type of gene therapy We engineered a virus that doesn't cause disease in humans to express a light-sensitive protein. And we injected that into the back of the eye, so under the retina, of mice with end-stage retinitis pigmentosa. And we essentially showed that a single gene therapy injection had long-lasting effects. So we looked for 15 months after the injection, and there was still light-sensitive protein being expressed in the retinas. And as a result of this, the remaining retinal cells, so once the rods and cones had died, those cells became light sensitive and were able to deliver functional light sensing responses. So action potentials within the retina, but also we looked at functional vision to see whether function could be restored in these mice. We used a number of tests, but we showed restoration of a pupil response in otherwise blind mice and also a restoration of a certain level of visually-guided behaviour, so behaviour that required vision to perform a task. And this is hugely exciting because it means that by doing a single gene therapy injection, some basic level of image-forming vision can be restored. We feel that this approach is also highly viable in patients because the protein we were using is already present in the human eye and so if it's introduced in a gene therapy program would be unlikely to cause a rejection episode or an adverse effect which can be a problem with other approaches so we're incredibly excited by this work and we're hoping to then take it forward to see if we can try and get it to patients
1: So what they're doing is they they're getting a a harmless virus loading it up with genetic instructions Sticking it into the back of a blind mouse's retina yeah, and then trying to get the healthy cells there to become light-sensitive.
3: Yeah, so you've got... Uh, so you're
1: not trying to regenerate the rods and cones.
3: No, but you've got cells that you can effectively turn into rods and cones just there. So you just repurposing. So, so you repurpose it. That's amazing. And, and yeah, so the virus is loaded with this thing that makes it produce the protein melanopsin, which is light-sensitive. Mm-hmm. And so it gets into the cells... And then it causes them to express melanopsin, so they become light sensitive, and and so you know the ones that have stopped working, it doesn't matter because we've got basically replacements that come in, and uh, and they you know they've sort of done this and shown that the vision of the mice is improved, although it's not
1: you know it should be not great but no. <laughs> better, better
3: than nothing. No, I mean so so they they've been able to show that there are electrical signals going from the eye, the retina into the the mouse brain, and they are kind of able to respond to changes in their visual environment that were sort of, you know, not huge, but they could kind of see, like, you know, the difference between, say, a door and a window, an obstacle or whatever. They can kind of make out something where they were blind before. So mm. so it's not perfect by any means, but it's sort of a, a good step along.
1: But they're, they're pretty sure they have improved the vision. Like, it's gone from nothing to something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
3: which kind of suggests that if we can do better engineering and better kind of gene therapy, then maybe we can you know take this the next stage and the next stage, and gradually you get to the point where you think, actually, we can, by this method, basically make blind mice see and hopefully make blind humans see.
1: And so how far off uh, whacking this into humans are we?
3: So they reckon in the next couple of years, they'll be sort of looking at human trials. I mean, the the beauty of this is that the eye is, I mean, you might have heard sort of in the past, we've had problems with gene therapy where it triggers a massive autoimmune response in the the body. You know, the immune system just kicks in and says, hold on, that's not one of ours. That's not us. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, goes in and kills somebody as has happened. Uh, But the eye is what's called an immune privileged area. So it's like does, it's sort of disconnected from the main immune system. Has Is its that own, right? yeah, has its own little system. So as long as you can kind of keep everything under under wraps within the That's eye, cool. You're sort of that. all right to mess mm. around with the eye. So they're quite confident. Have that, some fun, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stick in the needles,
1: Coke <laughs> me up.
3: <laughs> so they're they they're fairly confident that you know we can start to do something uh, fairly soon, and um, and you know start to sort of do something about this this uh, problem
0: give you an update. Uh, in the first 24 hours, there were hundreds of cases, as so the rumor says. Uh, all the same, no pain. I'll see a way. The government's response, as you know, was decisive. The first to the makeshift quarantines. But this decommissioned sanitarium didn't make five deal public relations. Let's organize a massive international medical of ophthalmologists and neurologists. We don't yet know if this is. And so, for days and days, the helpless viewing public was subjected to seminars and endless roundtables with specialists from around the world proclaiming their general ignorance. It was published in Infectious Disease International. How premature it was to talk of cures, how more research was needed and more funding. A point that was at least once dramatically oh illustrated. God. Oh my god! Oh my god. Oh my but what about
1: so the the issue that I can um, envisage at the moment is that the rods and cones are they've degenerated to the point where you're not going to be able to bring them, you're not going to be able to restore them. Therefore, you're just using these repurposed retinal cells that aren't going to be as good as rods and cones were. Therefore, you're never going to be able to get to. A point where you're restoring vision fully. Yeah, that's however, quite, quite possible. What about just uh, putting some stem cells in? Yeah, always the answer, isn't it? Stem it's cells. It kind of is because stem cells do <laughs> they do a lot. Yeah, <laughs> you just uh, go go in there, guys, and uh, just uh, make yourselves at home.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, and, and this has been done. We've started to to mess about with this and, and be able to do things like put in embryonic stem cells, and they are designed to differentiate into retinal pigment epithelial cells and uh and yeah so we're we're sort of starting to get to the point where we can try this out and implant a, a patch of stem cells that, that covers the damage at the back of the eye and you get this you know incredible sort of rejuvenation of the eye
1: that's cool isn't it yeah just uh just in case anyone is listening and thinking i don't know what a stem cell is um go on oh you want to don't you no, no you do it all right you're leading i don't mind i'll chip in if i think you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> of course you will, so a stem
3: cell is just uh, one of those sort of basic units of our of our cells that can then turn into a, one of the particular kinds of cells like muscle cell or skin cell or heart cell uh, but it, it can it, it's sort of trapped at the stage of development where it can become absolutely anything
1: it can go down any path, yeah you just have to sort of give it a nudge, yeah, obviously, as soon as you said a uh, very basic unit, I thought it's got a good <laughs> description of you. <laughs> Uh, and what about uh, your friend of mine, CRISPR? CRISPR yeah. must be getting Yeah, stuck so, in. I
3: mean, yeah, oh. we're, we're basically doing genetic engineering wherever we can, and yep. the eye is no different. So, uh, so there's a rare genetic uh, disorder called labor congenital amaurosis. Uh-huh. Uh, and that I mean that causes vision loss, but you can basically inject a uh, CRISPR into the eye, which is something that cuts up the DNA and mm-hmm. then inserts the sequence that you want to be in there yeah uh, and uh and that will uh sort of correct or regenerate about ten percent of photoreceptor cells in monkeys as the trial went, so um it's sort of you know difficult because we're not really comfortable about using it in humans yet, so sort of gene editing in humans is is tricky. But, you know, there's kind of, you know, with the, with the stem cells, uh, with the gene therapy, with CRISPR, it looks like we've got you know, really good good sort of prognosis on this.
0: It's not actual vision, it's uh, what they call artificial vision. Anthony has retinitis pigmentosa. For 20 years, he lived in darkness until he became one of the first to receive a bionic eye. A tiny camera in the glasses sends images to a wearable computer. The images are processed and sent wirelessly to an implant
1: on the eye. But, 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 this is all biological. I'm quite interested in sort of Geordie laforge the shit out of this. Of course you are. <laughs> and uh, getting some uh, some sweet technology on my face <laughs> that's going to see for me.
3: Yeah. What and, about and
1: that? Yeah, we can do that too. That feels doable.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, in a sense, you know, we talked about all the evolution sort of behind it. It's sort of engineering, isn't it? It's like, yeah. how would you design this in? What would you, you know, replace that faulty part? You know, and, and we can do that. So we can literally put electronics on the retina that will then sort of gather the light and send an electrical signal through to the brain. And and we're starting to do that. You know, we've got see, these retinal implants. This is for people with retinitis pigmentosa. And mm-hmm. it works. You know, we've, we've sort of had some success restoring function.
1: So, sort of, sticking a chip in the eye.
3: Yeah, yeah. Mm. Which is, you know, no different to sticking a chip in your brain, which we're doing, you know, all the time these days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it feels like an exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> well, not really. I mean I can't move for people. Chips but you know, in that's brain. how I mean yeah, you
3: know, we can stop Parkinson's tremors by putting chips in people's brains and uh, and you just switch it on and and the tremors stop. And that's becoming well, that's good, like, yeah. you know, it's becoming kind of you know the way to do it really.
1: But no, no actual, like, Geordie Laforge specs, though. That's not necessary, You can get is those. It? You can get those, but they're, know they're, yeah, they're, they're unnecessary. They're unnecessary. And right. they look a bit, well, they, I mean, they just look a bit Star Trek, don't they? <laughs> it's a very specific Yeah, vibe.
3: it's not really what we're looking for, is it? I mean, we want it all implanted inside our bodies, don't we? Yeah, so, so If, just if looks... I had a choice between having a pair of glasses I had to put on, or, you know, somebody implanted a chip that just sorted out all my vision problems, mm. I'm going for the chip. Would you have laser eye surgery? I've thought about it. Yeah. And I'm not so bothered that I'm willing to do it.
1: But No. Also you you know, and I don't often compliment you, you look quite good in your classes. I quite see you it's very kind. No, I understand. Very rare. Um yeah. Savour it.
2: In terms of trying to cure blindness, I think the problem arises in that blindness sounds like one entity, but actually it's a whole range of conditions leading to an end stage of visual loss. So any part of the eye really can go wrong, leading to visual loss. So whether it's the cornea, the retina, the optic nerve. And so you need different approaches for each of those conditions to try and regain vision or optimize vision when you get to the end stage of blindness. So I think ultimately there's a huge amount of research going on, but there's not going to be a one-size-fits-all cure that we'd be able to give to patients. It's very much going to be trying to reverse that particular disease in that particular patient or to try and minimize its effects rather than having a, a magic cure for, for blindness.
0: Once I lost my sight, I, I was resigned to be blind for the rest of my life. I'm, I'm not resigned to that anymore. You know, I, I believe if I, can, if I can live long enough, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, be able, I'll be able to see You, know, uh, you know, a lot of beautiful things.
2: A lot of different types of technology are being investigated at the moment in terms of curing blindness and it really is a combination of all of them that will sort of go forward into making the biggest impact on patients. So every patient's different, every disease is different and so for some patients gene therapy may be a better option whereas for other patients it may be stem cells or electronic implants depending on their particular disease and their tolerability to the different types of technology. I could see a full moon for the first time in years. And the fireworks.
0: I don't remember last time I saw those.
2: Okay, it's a person. Oh, it's a garbage can. Oh, that's a tree. Can you see? Oh my goodness. Wow. Can you see Larry? Yes. Oh my goodness.
0: Can I give him a kiss?
2: Yeah. <gasps> On a typical day in a high
0: volume cataract program, we'll often restore sight to 200 people. And it's just so exciting just seeing the changes and they recognize their children, their grandchildren. People often erupt into a spontaneous ululation.
2: I think it's really important that all, you know, the different groups around the world are looking at different approaches because we're all learning from each other as well in terms of outcomes, how best to optimize the vision that people are getting or could get. And so I think it... Probably will be a combination that, you know, works best in the end. Yeah, it's gonna take some work. But You did
0: it, you went through the door. Yeah,
2: there's there's the edge. He
0: just went by himself. Yeah. Awesome.
1: So it has been kicking off in the last decade or so. Then we have got our act together. Yeah,
3: I, I think that, and there's been quite a lot of money poured into the whole thing as well. You know, we've got all these various options that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, the stem cells, gene therapy, uh, implants. This kind of group of researchers, this kind of worldwide effort mm. to 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 get rid of these causes of blindness. I mean, they're actually sort of looking at you know actually
1: quite an imminent deadline for themselves. What, so to eliminate like avoidable blindness? Yeah, how, how?
3: I mean, when when would you guess they're saying they could do that? When did they set the
1: target? Oh, like, so, uh, early in really this know. decade, I twenty twenty. They would have thought, and now it's and now it's hovey interview quite yeah, quickly, yeah. and they're like, oh,
3: but no, they're they're sort of confident. I in think a sense. On target, yeah. So twenty twenty is is you know still a viable target for them, and partly that is because you know we already know that, as I said before. 80% of of uh, blindness can be treated or prevented. So, mm. yeah, the stuff in the developing world is is kind of the soft target in a sense in that you can do a cataract operation in 10 minutes.
1: So what what does that involve? Is that literally just Give me a cloudy lens, I'll give you a nice new Yeah, I'll give one. you a
3: nice new plastic lens and it's nice and clear and, and you Result. can just you know, you slice off the bad lens, you put in a new one.
1: <laughs> I hate it. But yeah Ten
3: minutes. It costs about fifteen quid per operation, something like that. It's pretty good, isn't it? And there's basically thirty six million cataracts out there in the world that could be operated on and sorted out. Eighteen million people, you know, just kind of waiting for you know for the resources to be available. So, uh, there are projects. So, Sight Savers International is one. Uh, I came across the Himalayan Cataract Project. So, you know, if you want to help out with this, I think, uh, genuinely, I was reading about it and I just thought, wow, you know, this is something we could actually encourage people to sort out.
1: Yeah. So, it's just, uh, yeah, find one of these organizations, make a donation, give someone back their site.
3: Yeah. Why not?
1: Well, I it th- I beats think it watching that
3: film, to be honest.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't... No, I can't say it doesn't be, but I would say it maybe <laughs> as good as reading the book. <laughs> the book is excellent.
3: Okay, I'm going to read the book.
1: Right, let's do a uh, let's do a rundown then. Uh, will we ever be able to cure blindness?
3: I genuinely think yes, yes, yeah, we will. It sounds like it. It's an engineering issue.
1: Yeah, and yeah, we've we sort of know what the answers are, and we've yeah. got different different approaches. All of them seem. I mean, it's different horses for different courses. It's almost it? like but we've all... become
3: evolution, isn't it? We can take the next stage of, you know, all this stuff degrades, Yeah, you know, it goes wrong, but actually we know how to come in and, and fix yeah. some of that.
1: Yeah. Well done, us. Well, not Pat us. Put on the back. <laughs> not us, to be fair. Science-ish is a Radio Wolfgang production presented by me, Rick Edwards, and Dr. Michael Brooks. The producers were Cormac McAuliffe and Eli Block. Sound designed by Eli Block. Special thanks to Samantha de Silva. If you like the show, please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks very much. It does help. Uh, You can also find us on Twitter at science underscore ish. Has anyone ever gone blind through too much? That no, you know of. not that I know of. No, it's not, no, not a thing. No. Okay. I mean, none of my friends have gone
3: blind and they're at it all the time.
1: Are they? How do you know? Cameras in their houses. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it feels like that might be uh, cutting room floor. <laughs>